My first point is the gift of praying in Jesus' name. The honest truth is the Lord doesn't just save us that we can be saved. He saves us so we can be effectual for his kingdom. He saves us so that we can co-labor with him, that we can work with him. And he empowers us with the authority of his name to accomplish that. Not so that we can go and live our own life and simply be blessed and blessed and blessed. What he wants of us is that we would be instruments to see his kingdom come and his will be done. But there are very many times, occasions in God's people's hearts where they might feel, does God hear my prayers? Does he care about my prayers? Some of God's people don't even feel worthy to pray. And I wanna address this because it needs to be addressed of your identity in Christ. What God did for you when he saved you is something I desperately need to touch on because I know that there are many sitting here today or even under the sound of my voice where it's not just about praying about the mountains in front of you in your life in terms of your circumstances, in terms of difficulties, perhaps financial, perhaps relational, perhaps marital or in any other area, but there's a twofold battle. There's a battle out there, but there's also a battle in your own heart that you're just wondering if God is even hearing you or if he cares about your prayers in the first place. And I wanna reassure you today, for all those that have called upon his name, the Lord has not just forgiven you, and it's a 100% forgiveness, he's not just cleansed you, and it is a complete cleansing, but he also perfectly adopts you into his family. It's a threefold process. You are forgiven, cleansed from all unrighteousness, and perfectly adopted into his family. That is what it means to be born again. We are literally born into his family. Now, some might feel saved one day and not feel saved the next day. That is absolutely no bearing that you are saved because God is true to the work he has accomplished in your life. It's not about how you feel. If you've called on his name and you've asked for his righteousness to fill you, you've asked for his forgiveness, he does that and he is true to his own work in your life. And that is apart from anything you might feel. Now, a scripture concerning our forgiveness is 1 John 1 verse 9, that if we confess our sins, he is just and faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It mentions the giving of his righteousness there, but a specific scripture ministering into that is 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, which says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And as concerns being adopted into his family, John 1 verse 12 to 13 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. A birth like that is perfect and complete. But if there is a misunderstanding of these things in your heart, it's as if you're trying to live your faith on broken or crippled feet. You might even think you've got some upper body strength, but if your feet are crippled, you are not gonna be able to walk properly. And, though, and that is why I just wanna minister to you a little bit about these things. And to do that, I also wanna just refer to an example. If you have a child, any parents here, I'm sure there are many, many parents here, but if you have a child, that child is born into your family, they're immediately given your name. 
They're given your surname. Now, if for some reason they put their foot wrong or they're disobedient, there are going to be consequences. There's even going to be discipline. But at no stage does that child lose your name. Do they lose their name? It's not as if you're going to phone home affairs and say, listen, we've had an incident at home. My son and daughter has been caught in nonsense and we've got to sort it out. But listen, just take their names off the records of the country for the next two weeks. They don't exist, all right? And when they sort it out, we'll give you a call again and you can just put them back on the system. I think dealing with home affairs is already a struggle in the first place, so we don't want to go there. But we're never going to have a situation like that where we as natural parents do that. How much more your heavenly father? You're not just going to be put out of the family because you feel this way the one way, one day, or even if you do make a mistake. And by all means, mistakes are going to happen. But what I want to encourage you to do is stand up quickly. Take responsibility, own it, confess it before the Lord, but stand up quickly. There was a time where Joshua had gone into the promised land at the command of the Lord and they defeated Jericho and they were about to go for their second battle at A. And uh, they were defeated at A unexpectedly because a family of Israel had taken the profane things, the forbidden things that God had said they're not allowed to partake of at Jericho and hidden it in his tent and buried it. His name was Achan. And because of his sin, the whole of Israel was defeated. But, but Joshua didn't know it at the time. All he knew was he went from victory to defeat. And he lay in the dust. He said he got down on his face and he put dust on his head and he lay there all day praying. And at the end of the day, this is what the Lord said to him. Get up. Why are you lying on your face? And I want to say to you, family of God, by all means, take responsibility when there has been a knock or a blow, you've made a mistake or you have sinned. But don't continue to stay in that place. Take responsibility, get up and carry on walking on with your Father and your God. You can't fix yourself anyway. Just run to Him. But the Lord doesn't just come and save us, forgive us, cleanse us, and adopt us into his family. He gives us the gift of praying in his name. He literally gives us his authority in his name to pray. And we can confidently trust that what we pray, he is hearing and he will bring to pass. We're not praying in our own name. We are essentially returning his name to him. And he gives us permission to do that. But there was a time where we, as humans, had actually lost the God-given authority that he gave us. God gave Adam and Eve, and essentially the gift to their children to come, dominion over this earth. We are made in the image of God, and Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. And at the time of their creation, they were given a mandate to rule over this earth under God's leadership, but made in his image, they were also given authority over this earth. In Genesis 1 verse 28, we read, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. This wasn't just dominion over the animal kingdom. They were not glorified zookeepers, all right, for the entire world. They were given dominion over the earth, but when they submitted to the devil's temptation, and they gave into that temptation, not only did they sin personally, 
But they actually took the dominion and the authority that God had given them to rule over the earth and they literally gave it into the devil's hands. Now this is confirmed in Luke 4, verse five to seven. Now before I read the scripture, we know the devil is a liar, but there's no ways he's gonna lie face to face with the son of God because Jesus knew everything. And so there's no ways the devil was gonna try and lie to him. But listen to what the devil says in the temptation that he brings to Jesus just before Jesus is released into ministry. He's grown, he's been prepared, but before he steps into ministry, he goes through, this, through three temptations from the devil. And one of them was where the devil offered him the kingdoms of this world. In Luke 4, verse five to seven, we read, then the devil, taking him on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. He wasn't lying when he said this. It was the truth, because when Adam and Eve sinned, they gave it to him. However, Jesus not only withstood that temptation, at the cross, he utterly defeated the devil. He destroyed the devil's dominion and authority over this earth and took it back for himself. And then he gave it back to us. Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus says to his disciples, just before he sends them out with the Great Commission, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. So he takes it back, and he didn't need it to be given by someone who usurped it in the first place. He died on the cross. He literally gave every last blood, drop of blood he had to purchase us and to save us and to gain back that authority. He even bled after death. When I was preparing this, I realized it for the first time, that after he died, he still continued to bleed for us. Because when that spear was put into his side, he had already passed, and yet he still continued to bleed on our behalf. Not even death stopped him from giving the last bit of blood he had on our behalf. That is the level of the sacrifice our Lord and Savior took for us to be reunited with him. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. And he takes that authority and he gives it back to us. Now in John 16, verse 23b to 14, we read, most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. When the Lord answers prayers that we pray in his name, Jesus is glorified. Especially when we are in tune with him and we are asking him for his kingdom to come and his will to be done in our life, but also through our life. It glorifies the son to have prayers answered in his name that are prayed according to his will. So settle in your heart that you are forgiven, you are cleansed, you are perfectly adopted, and you have been granted the authority to pray in Jesus' name. Now take up that authority and begin to pray. Amen. Amen. So that brings me to my second point. Now we want to go about how to pray. All right? My second point is the heavens go to the highest bidder. And what I want to focus on here is it's not just about praying. It's about praying with a focus. It's about praying with an intensity. It's not that your prayers are gonna be more powerful because you're infusing human strength into them. I'm not saying that. What I am saying 
is hold on to the Lord in your prayers. Bid high. If you go to an auction and there's a property that is meant to be sold, the person who's going to win that property is the one who's going to bid the longest, lifting their hand the most. We too have a call to continue, heavenly speaking, to lift our hands in prayer until the prayer battle is won. But we are also meant to hold on to the Lord, to not be wishy-washy in terms of how we trust Him, in terms of when we pray. A very good example I want to give you out of the New Testament about fervent prayer, prayer that is an infusion of focus and intensity. It's prayer that was prayed for Peter. What had happened was James, the brother of John, one of the 12, had been captured by Herod Agrippa. Herod was the grandson of Herod the Great, and Herod had beheaded him and executed him, which pleased the Jews. Seeing that they were pleased, he captured Peter as well, intending to bring him before the people that he too would be executed for the pleasure of the people. And on the very night that he, well, put it this way, the next day he was going to be executed, the night before, an angel came and brought him out of the prison. The chains fell off of him and he walked out of there. But this is a scripture describing that moment. Acts 12 verse 5 out of the Amplified. So Peter was kept in prison, but fervent and persistent prayer for him was being made to God by the church. Fervent and persistent prayer. That is in the same scripture saying Peter was captured. Peter was captured, but, but fervent and persistent prayer was being offered by the church. Where are you captured? Where are you stuck? Where are you being held? Begin to offer fervent and persistent prayer. God is faithful and he will come to your aid. Amen. Amen. So Peter walked out of prison, but the kind of attitude that I want to encourage you to have of a fervent prayer is something displayed by the woman with the issue of blood. It wasn't so much that she prayed, but she made a decision. She had been afflicted for 12 years. Her story is found in, all, in, in, in the synoptic gospels of Matthew and Luke and, and Mark, and my excerpt is out of Mark. But essentially what happened was she had been afflicted for 12 years. She had an unnatural flow of blood, and she had spent all of her money on physicians with no result, and she was still ill. And she heard that Jesus was near. So when he was close enough, she got up from where she was and she pressed forward to get to him. Now it says in Mark 5 verse 12 that she came from behind him through the crowd. In other words, it wasn't so easy that she was sitting on the side of the road and Jesus walked by and she could literally just lean out and touch him. It also wasn't so easy that she could just say, Lord, if it's your will, let Jesus walk by me within reaching distance that I don't need to stand up and I can literally just reach out and touch him and then I know I'll be well. Instead, in the midst of her discomfort, she gets up and she pushes through the crowd until she touches the hem of his garment. And when she does, she is immediately healed. But all the time that she's pushing through the crowd, she's bleeding. It's not like when she started pushing through the crowd, she was healed. She was healed when she got to Jesus, but she still had to get there. She still had to hold on to him, hold on to the hope that when she pushes through the crowd and grabs his garment, she's gonna be healed. It's exactly what happened. 
But her healing didn't happen until she got to where she needed to be. Now, the word fervent means having or displaying passionate intensity, hot, burning, or glowing. I want your prayer life to be turned into something that is hot, burning, and glowing. That you would keep in your mind this picture of the woman with the issue of blood. And that whatever mountain, whatever circumstances in front of you, it's not going to have the authority to hold you back from pushing through it to get to the Lord, to hold on to Him, and to see His power begin to manifest in your life, bringing deliverance and freedom, just as you are trusting Him. He came to give you life and life in abundance. Hold on to that even as a promise. To say, Lord, I'm not experiencing abundant life. I am afflicted. I am hurt. I am rejected. I'm lonely, I'm in financial distress. Don't let that be the final word over your life. You take his word and you hold on to his word with hot, glowing, and burning prayers and you push through the crowd and you grab hold on the Lord and you see him set you free. Now the same can be said of what Jacob did with the Lord. Jacob was coming back from Haran. He had been in exile for many years and he was coming back to the promised land, to Canaan. And the angel of the Lord meets him one night. And he wrestles with the angel of the Lord. And in the wrestling, it goes on for the whole night. And as dawn is about to break, the angel of the Lord says to him, let me go, for dawn is breaking. And what does Jacob respond in Genesis 32, verse 26? I will not let you go until you bless me. Be the same, have the same heart within you. The night may be long, but you're gonna hold on to the Lord and you're gonna say, I will not let you go until you bless me. And I'm gonna pray in your name, Lord Jesus, too. With the gift of the authority of your name, I'm gonna pray in your name and I'm gonna hold on to you until you break through. Now, Bruce even quoted this scripture earlier, Jeremiah 29, verse 13. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And so that is a call to us, to with all of our hearts, seek and find the Lord. I do want to relate to you now quickly an excerpt out of the Old Testament where the people of God did not hold on to the word as they should have held on to the word. They were given a genuine word of the Lord, but they didn't see it through all the way to the end. It's a fascinating story found in 2 Kings verse 3. Now what had happened was Ahab was an unrighteous king and his son Jehoram also an unrighteous king, but he took over from his father. And when he did, Moab, who was paying tribute to Israel every year, stopped paying the tribute. And so he decided to attack them. But nonetheless, Moab was a wicked, wicked nation, nation nonetheless. And God had it to judge them. But Jehoram invites Jehoshaphat, a righteous king of Judah, and he invites the king of Edom to join him. So three armies go through the wilderness to come up behind Moab to attack them. But they didn't make proper provision for water, and they actually began to be so thirsty that they were in, in danger of dying of thirst. And so in desperation, they looked to the Lord. Jeho Jehoshaphat said, is there not a prophet amongst you who can prophesy? And Elisha was there, and he comes forward and he prophesies. And he says this in 2 Kings 3, 16 to 19. Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. What an incredible miracle God promises. 
And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. You shall attack every fortified city in every choice city. You shall cut down every good tree, stop up every spring of water, and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Every means every. That means the whole nation. That means Moab's time had come. God was going to wipe them from the face of the earth for their sins. One of their greatest sins was they would offer their children as child sacrifices. They would make their children, in inverted commas, pass through the fire, which is child sacrifice. But it was normal worship towards their demon gods. They were a wicked nation. But what happened after this, in the morning, God filled the ditches with water, and everyone could drink of the three armies, but the Moabites saw the water and thought it was blood. That was the deception that the Lord brought on them. So they rushed out there thinking, we're going to just get the spoil. And so they were not prepared for battle. And when they arrived, they found three armies waiting for them, who then turned the battle against them. And they begin to get the victory. Now let me pick it up here as the battle is pro progressing. 2 Kings 3, verse 26 to 27. And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too severe for him, he took with him 700 men that drew swords to break through even unto the king of Edom, but he could not. Then he took his eldest son that should have reigned in his place and offered him for a burnt offering upon the wall. And there was great indignation or anger against Israel. And Israel departed from him and returned to their own land. Now let's just break down what happened here. A true prophet, Elisha, gave a word, go into Edom and destroy it from the one side of uh, Moab, Edom, from the one side of Moab to the other side of Moab. Every good piece of ground, every well, stop it, break it, bring judgment. What happens is the king of Edom is experiencing this outright defeat. And he makes the decision to sacrifice his own firstborn son to his demon gods, which obviously in the spirit stirred up the enemy against Israel. But instead of the Israelites standing up against the backlash and saying, no, God has given us a word. We are not gonna bow to this counterattack. We are gonna continue to stand. He said, we've got the victory. We've got the victory. If they had done that, they would have won the day. But instead, when the backlash came, they became passive in face of the backlash and they withdrew to their land. And Moab was not defeated that day as it should have been, even as it was prophesied. Because the people of the Lord in that day were not willing to hold on to his word more than the enemy's backlash against them. Do not let it be the same for us as his people. If God has given you a word, hold on to that word with hot, burning prayers. Hot, burning prayers that you will have the victory because you are not gonna allow any backlash from an already defeated foe to come against you because that is the truth. We have an enemy who is an already defeated foe. All we do is we enforce the victory that has already been accomplished at the cross. We just enforce it again and again and again and we take territory from him and we cut out the legs from under him and we push him back because we're not doing it in our strength, we're doing it in the gift of the name of Jesus and God gets the glory through that as well. Amen, amen. amen. So yes, fervent prayers, holding on to the Lord, pressing through. But there's another dynamic to your prayer life that is a critical dynamic and that is number three, pray it through. 
It's not just about the intensity of your prayer. It's the consistency of your prayer. We read that even with Peter's account. Fervent and persistent prayer was offered for him. Now Colossians 4 verse 2 out of the Amplified says exactly the same. Be persistent and devoted to prayer. Not just devoted, but persistent and devoted. Being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. Now in Luke 18, Jesus shares a parable concerning prayer. And it starts in Luke 18 verse 1. Now Jesus was telling the disciples a parable to make the point that at all times they ought to pray and not give up and not lose heart. Not give up, not lose heart. He goes on to share a parable of a widow where an injustice is done against her and she goes to a judge for justice. But the judge she goes to is an unjust judge. He doesn't care about her and he doesn't care about God and he's not willing to give her justice, at least not initially. But she continues to come and eventually he says, I will give her justice, not because I care about her nor because I care about God, but she's gonna make me tired. Lest she weary me, I will give her justice. And Jesus goes on to explain this further in Luke 18 to verse seven to eight. He says, and will not our God, our just God, Defend and avenge his elect, his chosen ones, who cry, out to, who cry out to him night and day. Will he delay in providing justice on their behalf? I tell you that he will defend and avenge them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this kind of persistent faith on the earth? I know many times you've read that scripture and it says, will he find faith on the earth? And so we kind of have this picture of well, would the rapture has, have come? How many of God's people would still be serving him? But when you go and look at the true meaning of the scripture, what Jesus is saying, will he find this kind of persistent faith, ongoing, holding on, holding on. I'm not gonna let you go. I'm gonna pray it through. I'm gonna keep on coming to you, Lord. I'm not gonna give up. Will he find that kind of persistent faith in our own lives is a question we all need to ask ourselves. Persistent Faith, persistent prayer. It's not just about the intensity of your prayer, but the consistency of your ongoing prayer life. I just wanna share with you perhaps a modern day parable of a vegetable field. If you wanna plant a vegetable field and you've got the seeds, you essentially plant those seeds in faith because you put them under the soil. It's in a place you can't see with your physical eyes. You then water where the seed is, trusting it's germinating underneath, trusting it's growing. And when it breaks through the surface, the faith in the watering process is rewarded with the manifested visuals that you can see this plant that has come out of the ground. It's the same in our prayer life. You have a word, you have a prophecy, you have a scripture that you are standing on to see breakthrough come into your life. You sow that word into the ground of faith and you begin to water that word, planted in faith with prayer. It's beyond your visual sight. Now, a scripture I wanna give you that's gonna help you to have the right mindset because you've got to not look with your physical eyes when you are trusting and praying for something to come to pass. You've gotta look from a different perspective. In Colossians 3, verse two to three says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That is the perspective you are to have, to set your mind on things above, not on the natural surroundings. 
and not to take your motivation from your natural surroundings. You take your motivation from Him and from what you get from Him. You look with the eyes of faith and you pray in faith, trusting that God is at work. Let me tell you, He is at work. Daniel had received a vision. Daniel in the Old Testament, an Old Testament prophet. I'm going to share out of Daniel 10. He had received a revelation from the Lord and he was seeking for further understanding on it. It's like he got a portion, but he didn't get the fullness. So literally, the day that he got a portion of it, he began to pray. And he prayed for 21 days. He prayed and fasted for 21 days before the Lord answered him. And the Lord answered him by sending the archangel Gabriel. And Gabriel comes and appears to Daniel and he says this. He said, do not fear, Daniel, in Daniel 10 verse 12. Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. He didn't pray and fast for 21 days until God heard him. He was heard literally the first day, the first moment, the first syllable of his prayer. He was heard and the answers were set in motion. But there was a faithfulness of seeing our 21 days of prayer and fasting before the breakthrough came. Now, what if he'd stopped at day 18? What if he'd stopped at day 15? Would it have taken away that God was already in process? I mean, God is able to accomplish anything, and I believe at times he is merciful to his children. I believe at times we'll be overwhelmed, and he intervenes as any parent would intervene to really help their children through difficulties. But if you have an intention of moving on into the depth of the Lord, into a deep and mature walk with him, you are going to have to learn and abide by this principle of holding on to him when it doesn't make sense and you don't understand, but you know that he's at work and you will have the victory as you continue to trust in him. He is faithful. In fact, one of his names is faithful and true. And he will bring to pass what he has promised he will bring to pass. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, do not grow weary while doing good, for in due season, due season, we will reap a reward if we do not give up. Do not give up. Sarah, how long was Sarah pregnant? Okay, it's an easy answer. In the natural, it's nine months, but she was actually pregnant for 25 years. She was pregnant for 24 years and three months spiritually, and she was pregnant physically for nine months. But the first part of her pregnancy was purely by faith. Now, I trust with you that none of you have got a 24-year, three-month stint ahead of you. All right? Amen. But I do want to encourage you that at times, the seed germinating in the soil of faith is not visible to your eyes. And all circumstances seem to be telling you, God is not in this. Where is God? What is happening? Do not believe that. You hold on with your hot, burning, glowing prayers and you consistently continue to trust in him to bring it to pass. Now, I just want to finish with a, a modern-day testimony. This was shared by a pastor that I enjoy following on YouTube, and this was a vision that he received of prayer, of holding on to prayer, of persistent prayer. He saw a rural town in rural America where there was no Bible-believing church, and the Lord wanted to plant a church in this town. And what happened was there were believers in this town, but not a Bible-believing established church. And what happened was the Lord laid upon the heart of a farmer. He was in his field to pray for a church to be planted. 
And in the vision, this pastor saw the farmer working on his fence and this farmer stopped. And he said, Lord, please give us a Bible-believing church. And then the scene changed to a housewife going about her duties at home. And the same thing was laid upon her heart and she prayed the same, Lord, give us a Bible-believing church. And then finally, it moved to three old ladies who were an intercessory team. These old ladies had prayed for many things over the years and the Lord laid on their heart to begin to pray for a Bible-believing church. The moment they began to pray, these people, the very moment this vision shifted to a young man over a thousand miles away who had just entered Bible college. He was young, but he was full of the word. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of passion for God, and he was God's chosen instrument to plant this church. But he was two years away from completing his degree. And so after a year of praying, these old ladies, one of them stood up and said, should we continue? For we have prayed for a year with no result. And in that moment, they decided to continue. And when they did, after another year, this young man felt the call of God. He graduated. The Lord led him to this town. He planted the church and it was successfully established. 10 years later, this pastor that had the vision met this man face to face. He actually thought it was just a vision. It was a genuine situation. He never shared with him, oh, I know all about what happened because it was a lesson to him. Persistent prayer. The first moment you pray, you are heard. God already begins working on the solution. Do not be defeated by the enemy's pushback, by your own doubts. If necessary, hold someone's hand to pray with you. Don't allow what is going on around you to steal with, from you. Look with the eyes of faith. Sometimes you're gonna have to choose to do that. That's where the fight of faith actually lies. But I wanna tell you, he has saved you. He has forgiven you, he has cleansed you, he has perfectly adopted you into his family. That battle is won. He has placed within you and he has given to you the authority to pray in his name and his name is mighty. He didn't hold back one drop of his blood that the fullness of the authority of his name could be given to us and that we could be fully saved. He then calls us to pray fervent prayers, hot, glowing, burning prayers of focus. And he calls us to continue to pray them until his kingdom comes and his will is done. Even if that happens beyond the sight of our physical eyes, he is at work. He has heard you. He is God. He is good. And he will do it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to release the service now, but before I pray to release the service, anyone who wants prayer, according to this, you just want someone to stand in agreement with you this morning. You're going through something. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. If two of you agree about anything on earth, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. By all means, come forward. I'm going to ask the, 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 the pastors and the shepherds and even the life group leaders to come forward to pray with anyone who wants prayer. But maybe you just want to sit in your seat. Pastor Bruce this morning with wisdom said there might be married couples. You don't necessarily need to come forward, but you're facing something. There's a problem in your family. There's something you're facing. Hold each other's hand and pray into that situation before you leave this building. And if for some reason you've taken a step back from the fight of faith, don't feel guilty. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm getting up. I'm going to carry on exactly where I was, and I'm going to carry on praying again. I've been infused with new life by your spirit, Lord, and I trust you to help me. So I'm going to pray to release the service, but after that, anyone who wants prayer, please come forward. But anyone who would like to linger, even if it's just an individual, 
You want to sit in your seat and do business with God in prayer. So I'm now, now I'm going to trust you. I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to press through with you. Then please, by all means, do that. But please bow your heads with me now. Father, even as I release this service, I pray that you would be with your people and go with them. Lord, whether they pray in this hall, or whether they pray in their homes or their cars, whether they pray with their families or by themselves, I thank you that you are a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. That you will accomplish the good purpose that you have for our lives, Lord. And I pray that no mountain will stand in the way of your people. But as they take your hand, as they push through the crowd of whatever they are facing, Lord, as they lay hold on you, mountains will be removed, never to rise again. Lord, I pray for victory for your people. I pray for release for your people. And I pray that hand in hand with your Holy Spirit, they will pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. And it will be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you, people of God. Go well.